Hello, this is Pastor Matthew. I just want to take a moment personally to say thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. Our mission is to impact the valley and bless the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We encourage you to go check out our website at crosslinkva.com. By doing so, you can learn all about the ministries of Crosslink and how we're involved in the community. Please know we're praying for you. God bless you. Well, I hope you all had a nice Christmas, did you? (laughs) Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, we did too. We did too, Nancy and I. This Christmas, uh, we have the joy of being able to personally visit all six of our grown children's families. Last Saturday the 21st, we drove to Richmond, Virginia to visit the family of our youngest son, Daniel, and had a nice visit and exchange of gifts. And then uh, Christmas Eve, this past Tuesday night, uh, right after the service was over, we came to the five o'clock service. And by the way, that was packed. What a huge uh, attendance there was. They even had to put up chairs in the back. It was just packed in here for the five o'clock service. And what a wonderful service uh, it was. But afterwards, we drove to the home of our youngest daughter, Laura, who lives here in Harrisonburg, and had a nice dinner and a nice celebration with her family. And then the next day, Christmas Day, we were invited to our son's home, uh, our older son's home here in Harrisonburg, and uh, had, again, a nice meal. Uh, Christmas is a good time for eating, isn't it? It really is. A lot of good food and a gift exchange. And today now, after this service is over, my wife and I will be getting in our car and driving six hours to Columbus, Ohio. We have two of our married daughters that live in the Columbus, Ohio area, about 40 minutes apart. And so we'll get to celebrate Christmas late, of course, but celebrate Christmas with both of those families. And then on our way back, which will be New Year's Day, we stop in Cumberland, Maryland, there in Western Maryland, and visit our oldest daughter and her family. So it's, it's wonderful. In years gone by, we just boxed up box, a big box and shipped it through UPS to their home. Um, But this year we have the joy of personally going around, you know, being Santa Claus to all six kids again. So we're uh, we're enjoying that. It's going to be it's going to be a blessing. The what celebrations we have yet to experience. Well, today we are going to uh, talk about the year 2020. It's just around the corner. And we are approaching a brand new year, and I have a verse for this new year, and it's found in John 2020. Our son, who's an ophthalmologist, an eye doctor right here in Harrisonburg, is, um, you know, those of you that have been to an eye doctor, you know that the perfect vision is said to be 2020. And if you have 2020 vision, that's good. And I look at John 2020 and I think to myself, this is the secret of good spiritual vision. And the verse 
reads this way, he showed them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. And so good spiritual vision has to do with what? It has to do with living in light of the risen Christ. I want to tell you, these disciples gathered there in the upper room, their lives in one moment of time were dramatically transformed. They went from sorrow to joy, from despair to hope, from defeat to victory, from cowardice to boldness, The resurrection changed their whole view of life, and it will change our view of life too. If we would really live like Christ is alive and he's risen, if somehow through the eyes of faith and the pages of Scripture we could see the risen Savior, I want to tell you it'll change our lives. And as we enter the new year, remember that. Whenever you write the little date, 2020, By the way, it takes me all of January to get my checks written correctly. Do you have that problem? I do. Oh, no, it's not 2019. It's 2020. But as you write that, let me just encourage you to think about that great, great verse. You know, it's such a tremendous verse. Do you realize all of history changed? when Christ rose from the dead. I mean, you talk about a transforming event. So there's a verse for you for the new year. (coughs) Now, this morning, we're going to look at six secrets to spiritual success in 2020. What these are are daily disciplines, things we ought to be doing every day. And we need to incorporate these into our lives. Christianity is not a week by week. Although most people, if you would interview them out on the streets, and most people in America, if you would walk up to them and say, what what do you think Christianity involves? They say, well, going to church on Sunday. And so they, they view it as, you know, we give this time to God, you know, one hour um, a week. And that's our idea of being a, quote, religious person. But God never meant our Christianity to be a week-by-week thing. It's supposed to be a day-by-day experience. Amen? Now, I'm not against weekly. Obviously, I love coming to church as much as you do. And I love worshiping the Lord on Sunday. And all that happens, meeting with God's people, fellowshipping with God's people, encouraging one another. That's all great, but I want to tell you, we need to be doing more, folks, in our lives as Christians than just what we do on Sunday. So let's look at these six things. Are you ready for this? They're in your worship guide, so you just keep with me and we'll go through all six. Uh, as quickly as possible. Fortunately for you, I have a long travel ahead of me, so I'm going <laughs> to keep this a little shorter. <laughs> this is your lucky day. Okay, here we go. Number one, read God's Word daily. 
Read God's word daily. You say, well, that's so simple. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. You know that, but there's the problem is we know it, but do we do it? Do we really do it? It'd be interesting to take a poll right now and ask how many of you have daily devotions. I won't do that because I think it'd be kind of embarrassing. But there's a verse that says in Nehemiah, 818, this is Ezra's great revival that he had. And it says this, day by day, he read in the book of the law, day by day. No wonder there was a revival. I call this our daily enrichment. Our daily enrichment. You say, Pastor, what do you mean by that? Well, food nourishes the body, doesn't it? Just as we need physical food to survive and grow, So we must have the word of God if we expect to grow spiritually. You can't just wait till Sunday to open your Bible. You wouldn't dream of going a whole day without eating. You wouldn't dream of missing a meal. And by the looks of some of you, (laughs) myself included... My wife is on my case. She said, honey, aren't you going to go on a diet? You're getting too heavy. I said, okay, I will in the new year. I will. I promise. But some of us look like we haven't missed too many meals, to be honest, you know. And we wouldn't think of not having that as part of our daily lives. I mean, we we just wouldn't think of that. And yet, how many days go by, days upon days, where we don't get into the Word of God? Well, that's a wonder so many of us are malnourished and weak and sickly and emaciated. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that you might grow thereby. Remember when you were first saved? Do you remember the joy of being a brand new convert to Christ? You couldn't read enough of the Bible. Boy, I can remember it in my life. When I got saved, I started reading, and I only had a little Gideon's New Testament. And I started reading, obviously, if it's a New Testament, in Matthew. And I, you know, and I just couldn't get enough of it. When you're a brand new Christian, you just have such a hunger and such a desire for the Word of God. And I'm afraid that for some of us, as the years have gone by in our Christian lives, we've somehow we've lost that hunger that we once had. God help us in the new year to get back to basics. And basics means... Get into God's word. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, remember when he was tempted by Satan, Satan says, Jesus had gone 40 days without food, and Satan said, command these stones to be made bread. And Jesus said, quoting from Deuteronomy 8, 3, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every what? word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. 
best illustration of this thing of getting into the Bible on a daily basis is what we find in Acts 17 and verse 11. It's the testimony of the church at Berea, B-E-R-E-A, one of the churches Paul founded in his missionary journeys. And it says here in Acts chapter 17 and verse 11, These, that is the Bereans, were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and and watch this, and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether those things were so. These Christians at Berea heard the Apostle Paul preaching and you know what they did? They went home and all week they met together in little groups and they studied the Old Testament and they searched out whether the things that they heard on Sunday from Paul, can you imagine checking up on the Apostle Paul? Who would dare to do that? But they did. And it was a good thing. Because they were comparing the prophecies of the Old Testament about the coming Messiah to what the Apostle Paul preached. And that is, Christ is the Messiah. He's the fulfillment of everything that's written in the Old Testament. And they checked it out. The closest thing we have to that in our world today is called community groups. Where we meet together other than on Sunday And we open up the word of God and we talk about the pastor's message. And I want to tell you that's a good thing to do. We need to have a time where we're in the word of God. We really do. I think it's a good thing to check up on your pastor, by the way. When I was a pastor for 44 years before I retired and I used to preach to my congregation I used to say this, it's not my opinion that matters, it's what God's word says. The authority that we live by is not a man, man's word, it's God's word. Do you know what the difference between biblical Christianity and a cult is? I know some of you, if you have unsaved family members and they're anti-Christian and and they resent everything that you believe, they've probably said something like this, you're involved in some kind of a cult, you know. They just don't understand where we're coming from. Well, Christianity is not a cult. Do you know why? Biblical Christianity says this, the only real authority is what God says. Do you know what every cult leader preaches? Believe what I say and don't ever question it. That's the characteristic of a cult. It is man's authority. It is people following a man. I want to tell you that it's important for us To know that the word of God lives and abides forever. It is our highest authority. Amen? I used to tell my congregation, if I ever say anything that doesn't sound right to you, 
please come up to me afterwards and challenge me with it. Because it's important that what people hear is God's word, not man's word. Amen? So number one, read your Bible every day. Can I give you some practical advice? Find some kind of a good devotional guide to do that. You know, if you have a structure or a plan, that's a lot easier. Some of you, I really think the reason it's hard for you to have personal devotions, you don't know what to do. Like, I don't know what to read. I don't know. I I have no plan. I have no structure. You know, and and so we, we just grope around, try a couple things. Find a good devotional guide. Since I've been retired for the last five years, God has given me the wonderful privilege and opportunity of actually writing two books. Both of them are entitled Strength for Today. In 2016, the first one was published. It was based on the Old Testament. It's a daily devotional guide based on the Old Testament. The one I just finished in October, also called Strength for Today, Volume 2, the New Testament, is that just came out. But both of those are designed to give some kind of structure and some help to people that want to get into the Bible every day. But let me say, whether you use my devotional guide or any of the other fine ones that are out there, find a plan, have a structure. If you're not having daily devotions, it's probably because you don't have a plan. Find a plan and work the plan and God will bless you for it. Get in the Bible every day. It's our daily enrichment. Number two, write this down. Pray every day. Pray every day. The psalmist said, daily will I call upon thee. That's our daily, I call this our daily energy. As food is our nourishment or enrichment, prayer, our prayer life is our energy. Christians who don't have a consistent prayer life are going to be weak. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says this, pray without ceasing. Now Jesus is the perfect illustration of our need for prayer. In Mark 1.35, we have a wonderful verse, and it says this, And in the morning, having risen long before daylight, he went out into a solitary place, And there prayed. What a beautiful example Jesus is of the importance of a prayer life. That solitary place probably was called Gethsemane. We know that that was Jesus' favorite place to get alone and have prayer with his heavenly father. And can I just say this? If Jesus saw the need to depend upon his heavenly father, how much more do we need prayer in our lives? Think about that. Prayer was important to Jesus. Also, prayer was the secret, the dynamic of the early church. So many times people ask me, Pastor, Why do you think the early church in the first century grew by leaps and bounds and was so tremendously 
successful in its growth. And there are some that attribute that to the miraculous gifts of the Spirit. But I think maybe a better answer to that question of what made that early church so on fire for God was the fact that they prayed constantly. If you're writing down some notes, write these references. Let me give you some verses from the book of Acts. I want to illustrate to you how much prayer was part of the early church. It says in Acts, write this down, Acts 2.42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. Then over in chapter 4, verse 31, chapter 4 and verse 31, when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Chapter 12, verse 5. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Prayer was part of the life of the early church, and it needs, listen, it needs to be part of our lives too. Oh, how we need prayer in all of our lives. Here's some more practical advice. Develop a good prayer list. And I suggest also that your prayer time be in the morning because part of praying is asking for God to protect us during the day, to give us opportunities to witness during the day, to give us strength for the challenges of the day. Some people make the mistake of waiting to pray until they're so tired at night they fall asleep. Jesus prayed early, early in the morning. I like the words of the song, let it be Jesus, the first name that I call. Amen? First name that I call. Develop a good prayer list. This is where Christianity becomes really practical. Over on this side, this column over here, write the things that are your request. And over on this side, this is the exciting side. This is how God answers those requests. And then you just watch how God, one by one, answers those things. But let me remind you, sometimes God answers our prayers in a way that's a little different than the way we ask. Have you all discovered that? We ask God to do it our way, and God says, "Uh uh-uh, I'm going to answer all right, but I'm going to do it my way. And so, list that. My wife in her Bible, if you would look at my wife's Bible, you would notice something On nearly every page where there's a a prayer promise, where God promises to answer prayer, she has a little note written in the margin. She puts the date, and then she lists whatever was heavy on her heart 
At one time, it was our youngest son who was away from the Lord. He went through three or four years of just ruining his life and doing things that he knew he shouldn't be doing. And what a grief he was to himself and to God and to us as his parents. And so she'd have a little note. On this day, I prayed for Daniel to get right with God. And then you turn over a few more pages and she'd have a date. On this day, I prayed for Laura to have a baby. She went 10 years with fertility issues. She had stage four endometriosis. And one doctor, one GYN doctor, that had done one of the surgeries for her endometriosis said to her, This is when she was 21 years old and engaged to be married. He came out of the operating room and he said, she'll probably never be able to have children. And so now, 10 years later, actually it's been about 15 years later now, She has two beautiful twins that God, we call them the miracle babies. We're so thankful for answer to prayer. I want to tell you folks, it's exciting when God answers prayer. You know, it really is. What a blessing that is. And so I don't encourage you to develop a good prayer list. Number three, you ready for number three? Praise the Lord every day. The scripture says in Acts 2.46, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. I call this our daily expression. Our daily expression. Again, we don't have to wait until Sunday morning to praise the Lord. You realize that, don't you? I mean, it's okay to praise the Lord on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. That's that's okay. You can do that. As a matter of fact, our Christian testimony is best evidenced by this ability to thank and praise God for all of his blessings even in times when we're going through trials in life, is be able to say, God, I don't understand why this is happening in my life, but I'm here to praise you and thank you anyway because, God, you do all things well. And may I I, I may not understand what you're trying to accomplish, but, God, I trust in you and I thank and praise you, Lord, for who you are. You know, it's, it's a blessing to be around a person of praise. It really is. On the other hand, it's no fun being around somebody who's negative and bitter and complaining and grumpy. You've met some Christians like that, haven't you? <laughs> Don't look at anybody right now, please. My wife the other day said, honey, the older you get, you get more grumpy as you get older. 
Okay, so that's going to be my New Year's challenge then. Don't be so grumpy. No, but really, you want to be around people that build you up and edify you and encourage you. Amen? Who wants to be around some old grump? Some, and by the way, some Christians have become so bitter that if you are around them, they will poison you with their negativity. And what you need to do is steer clear of people like that. But to be around a person of praise. You know what David's testimony was? And we see this in uh, Psalm 34. David said this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall, listen to this, continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Yes, praise is contagious. It's contagious. So that when one Christian is praising God and thanking God, it motivates us to do the same. Praise God every day. Number four. We're up to number four already. Witness for the Lord every day. Or at least be ready to witness every day. It says in Acts 5.42, daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease to teach and preach Jesus as the Christ. Now, if you're filling in your outline there, this is our daily exercise, and we all need exercise. That's one of the disciplines, uh, healthy disciplines of life in the physical sense. So it is in the spiritual sense. All of us need exercise to be healthy, and I suspect some of you will make that a New Year's resolution also. But for our spiritual lives, sharing Jesus with those who are lost is the best exercise we can engage in. It really is. And it takes discipline to do it. You have to consciously take time to witness to others around you. You see, when you read the Bible, you take in God's word, but when you witness, you give out God's word to others. And there needs to be a balance. To witness, you say, what does that mean? The Greek word marturia, which we get our English word martyr, by the way, from that. Marturia. That means to tell the truth in a, as in a court of law about what you know. So you go into a court and they say, raise your right hand. Do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? See, that's what a witness does. What, does, what is a witness? One who tells the truth. One who speaks the truth. Now, when it comes to the gospel message of Jesus Christ, people aren't going to hear that from, the sec from secular universities and secular news media and everything else that's so secular out there. The only way people are going to hear the gospel is if they hear it from us because you know why that is? We're the only ones who know the truth. We are the only ones that have the truth. Therefore, 
It is our obligation because we know the truth to be able to share that with others. That is a sacred responsibility. Sharing Christ with others is what makes our Christian lives exciting. Now I think, by the way, these disciplines all work together. You read your Bible and then you pray. If we would pray every morning a prayer like this, Lord, give me a good opportunity to share you with someone today. I really believe two things will happen. Number one, God will bring those opportunities along because God will answer a prayer like that. God, please give me an opportunity to speak to someone today. I think God will answer because he has the ability to answer that. Secondly, we will be more sensitive when those opportunities come because you know why most of us fail to witness? It's not because we don't have opportunities. It's because we're not alert and sensitive and they're there and we just miss it. It's there and it's gone. God help us to be sensitive. Now I have to admit, I wish, I wish it were as easy as it was for some in the New Testament. I wish if I was walking through the desert and a chariot was passing by and somebody says to me, could you jump up here and sit beside me and explain to me what this verse means? That would be easy, wouldn't it? <laughs> but I want to tell you, I think if we prayed for God to lead us to people, and we, listen, and we expected, if you went through the day expecting God to lead you to someone, I think God would absolutely do that in our lives, and it would transform our lives. 1 Peter 3 says this, Verse 15, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that lies within you with meekness and, and fear. Be ready to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you. Number five, watch for the Lord's return each day. There's a verse in Proverbs that says, Blessed is the man who listens to me watching daily at my gates. I call this our daily expectation, living in expectation of the Lord's soon return. You know, life can be dull if you don't have anything to look forward to. That's why so many people are depressed, by the way, right after Christmas. And it, in one sense, is a letdown because Christmas is so wonderful. But life is dull if you don't have something to look forward to, and that's true in our spiritual lives. I remember when our kids were little and we had our ministry there in Western Maryland, one of the men that was a deacon in our church, and was also a successful businessman, he was a State Farm insurance salesman, he would come after Christmas every year with his new calendar, the New Year's calendar, his little date book, and he'd come up and he'd say, Pastor, 
I want you to pick a week for your family to go on vacation to my oceanfront condominium in St. Augustine, Florida, and it's a free vacation. All you got to do is get there. And let me tell you, folks, I didn't have a hard time picking a date. I really didn't. And our kids look forward to that. And if you would talk to our kids even today that now they're all grown and gone from home, they would say that was just so exciting after Christmas because we started planning our family vacation. Life is exciting if you have something to look forward to. And can I just say this? For us, we have the greatest thing to look forward to than anybody else in the world, and that is the coming of Christ. I get so depressed when I watch the news, don't you? I told my wife the other night, I said, turn that off, I can't stand it. All this political nonsense and all the what's going on in our country. And I thought, oh, I can't take it anymore. And you know what? I just can't wait till Jesus comes back and straightens this mess out. I can't wait until Christ occupies the throne of David and rules and reigns as King of kings and Lord of lords. And I find myself, when I get depressed, thinking about all the bad news in this world, and I have to check my heart, and I have to say, please, Lord, come quick. Please. I'm looking forward to the return of Jesus. That's my expectation. Having that expectation will radically transform your life. If we would live in light of Christ's coming, I mean really live in light of his soon return, it'll keep our priorities straight. We won't worry about being involved in stupid little things that don't count for anything. It'll be a deterrent to sin. We won't be involved in the foolish temptations of this world. Listen, we used to tell our teenagers when we had teenagers at home, here's one of the ways to know what you should do and how you should live. Ask yourself this question. This place that I'm going to, this activity that I'm going to be involved in, would I want to be doing that if Jesus came back right now? We taught our young people to use that guideline, that principle. You know why that's a good guideline? Because that's what the Bible says. 1 John chapter 3 says this, Beloved, now we're the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know when he shall appear, we will be three. And he that has this hope in him, what hope? The hope of Christ coming back. He that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. It's a purifying hope. It'll straighten out our lives. It'll cut through the sheer nonsense that sometimes defines our lifestyles. It'll get our priorities straight. It'll keep us from sin. It'll give us hope for the future. God help us to live with this expectation, Jesus 
Come quickly. Come, Lord Jesus. And then number six, last one. Die daily. You say, what? Yeah, die daily. That's Paul's first... Corinthians 15, 31, I die daily. Paul, tell us, what do you mean by that? Die to your old life of sin. Paul's referring here to our old life, our old sin nature, our need to recognize that we need to die daily to the temptations of our sinful nature. This is our daily experience. Our daily experience, or at least it ought to be. The only way to have victory over sin is by the power of Jesus who died for sin and rose again. Listen to these verses. Paul wrote, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. I am crucified with Christ. No wonder he says, I die daily. See, life is not about you, dear friend. It's not about you at all. It's about living for Christ. We need to die daily to self, to our selfish ambitions, to what we want, and surrender to what God wants. In short, in order to live, you must die. In order to live for Christ, you need to die to self. See, and I love, again, the words of the song we just sang a moment ago. For me to live is what? Christ. But to live for Christ, you need to die to yourself. You can't live for Christ if you're living for yourself. Do you get that? How are you going to live for Christ if you're living for yourself? Paul said in Romans 6, by the way, we know Paul was a southerner because he said, you all. And he also said, reckon. That was one of his favorite words. And he says this, reckon yourselves. Listen to this. Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God through Christ our Lord. Reckon yourselves to be dead to sin. And this is what Jesus meant when he defined the cost of discipleship in these words. Here's Jesus defining what it means to be a disciple. If any man will come after me, let him, what? Deny himself and take up his cross, how often? Daily and follow me. That's discipleship. Did you notice the emphasis there? Deny self. Die to self. Take up your cross daily. You say, what does that mean? The cross is a symbol of death. Take up the cross of Christ daily and follow him. My prayer is for all of you, as we move into a new year of 2020, my prayer is that these six virtues, these six qualities, these six um, disciplines will be part of our lives as never before. 
If we've gotten away from these basic things, these basic principles of Christian living, if it's been too long since we've opened our Bible on a regular basis or prayed on a regular basis or been watching for Jesus' return or witnessing to others, you know what? Here's what I say, and I say this with love in my heart. It's time, folks, for us to change. Let's go into a new year determined. I don't like the word resolution because that makes it sound like it's all by human strength. And I want to tell you, if these things occur in your life, it's going to have to be a commitment on your part, but it's going to be by the power of Christ. Only Christ can give us the power to be what we can't. Amen? And so if you're sick and tired of the way life has been going, and you know that as a Christian, these things have not really been an integral part of your daily experience, don't despair. I got good news for you. Christ wants these things in your life even more than you do. And he will help you to accomplish them by his grace. Amen? If you'll just say, Lord, help me start the new year with some of these daily disciplines that'll just change my whole life. God help us to do that. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. We encourage you to come and join us right here on our campus. We're located right next to the county fairgrounds here in Harrisonburg, Virginia. If you have any questions about the church, any question about the message, feel free to email us or call us and let us know. And we look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you.